What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. It's a little after 11 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Our guest today, of course, no stranger uh, to the Judging Freedom audience, uh, Scott Ritter. Scott, uh, it's always a pleasure. Since, since you were last with us, a number of events have happened uh, with respect to... Uh, the military involvement in Ukraine, and I appreciate you jumping on with such little notice because I want to talk to you uh, about them. So we understand, because the White House hasn't denied this, and it's, it's all over the press, that the United States is about to send, President Biden is about to approve uh, the uh, transmission of Patriot missiles to Ukraine. How significant are they? How do they work? What do they do? Uh, is this a game changer? Well, I mean, no, it's not a game changer. Let's just be straight up and honest here. The the provision of the Patriot um, air defense system to Ukraine will not change the outcome of this conflict. Uh, Ukraine's going to lose, and they're going to lose badly. Um, in fact, I mean, I would actually say that the provision of uh, the Patriot air defense system to Ukraine will um, actually impede their combat capability. You know, air defense is air defense is a sophisticated thing. the The basic infrastructure, air defense infrastructure of Ukraine, uh, is a Soviet era uh, air defense system that blends the S three hundred with the Buk with the Thor, different different uh, Soviet era systems <clears throat> that are designed to work with one another. So they have common communication structures. Their radars can be linked together in a common command and control system. You can have an integrated air defense network, which frankly speaking, um, is still up and operating uh, to this day, even though it's suffered casualties. Um, now, when you start to fold in systems that aren't designed to interact with these, to, to, to work, for instance, like the NASAMS, the, 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 the National uh, Air Defense System that the United States and Nor Norway developed that protects the U.S. Capitol, we provided several of these to the Ukrainians. The British or the Ukrainian, the, the Germans have provided the IRIS-T, uh, the British have provided other systems. Um, you bring them in, they're not designed to operate with one another. Now you're plugging them into a Soviet era integrated air defense system that can't communicate. You actually complicate things. You okay, know, let, me, war, let me stop you. Is, is Patriot <laughs> defensive or offensive? Well, I mean, in, in theory, if you use it well, you can project uh, an air defense umbrella into an enemy, the depth of an enemy's operational area so that you can deny them the use of uh, tactical air defense. But Again, in order to do that, you have to be trained on it. Uh, this is a complex system. Uh, even Americans goof it up during the Gulf War. And I know that's 30 years ago, but when the Patriot was first introduced in the Gulf War, it didn't work against missiles. Uh, right, so do Patriots need Americans to operate them? 
let, let's put it this way. It, it, for the Patriot system to operate at anywhere near optimal efficiency, you would have to have NATO-trained crew uh, who have been trained on the Patriot system operating the system. Otherwise, uh, mistakes are going to be made and it's going to be lethal for the Ukrainians. But even if you have this NATO-trained crew, this system will not integrate with anything else. It'll be a standalone system, and therefore, it's going to be isolated and destroyed. There's my prediction. Every single Patriot system deployed in Ukraine, if indeed this is a decision that's being made, will be destroyed. It will not have a meaningful impact on the battle. Um, it will have a detrimental impact on Ukraine's defense. As I was saying, an engine needs no friction. Putting the Patriot into Ukraine is like pouring sand into an inch engine. It's just got friction up smoke. Surely, and surely the former four-star general, who's now the Secretary of Defense, understands what you just said. Well, would Secretary Austin have told that to the president? I mean, are we sending this thing to them to satisfy the political appetite back home so that it looks like we're helping Ukraine? Or are we sending this to them because they really, truly want to help Ukraine? Let me, let me put it this way. If an air defense expert uh, was asked about this, they would say, let's focus on getting the Soviet era system up and running, the integrated air defense system that the Ukrainians already have and know how to operate. The last thing we want to do is introduce the Patriot. But this isn't an operational decision. This is a political decision made because nothing we send to the Ukrainians works. They have no viable air defense against the Russian cruise missile attacks, drone attacks, et cetera. And so we must be seen as doing something. And so they're going to undertake this political action. Unless they've been training Ukrainian crews in secret, this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. How long does it take to for a crew of average intelligence, if there is such a thing? I mean, does it take PhDs to operate this? Or does it just take intelligent, determined troops to operate? And how long does it take to train a crew? Well, it... You know, normally the, 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 the U.S. train is several months long. During, you know, in the, in the buildup to the Gulf War, Israel had sent crews over to the United States to get trained on the Patriot system. And they were rushed into combat once the Iraqis started firing uh, missiles. And these Israeli crews did not function uh, with full effectiveness because they were unfamiliar with the system. And trying to learn it while at war is not the way to do it. American crews that were trained were making mistakes left and right in Saudi Arabia. So... Even if you're fully trained, it's a hard system to operate, but it would take months to train the Ukrainians up to speed. They would have to be over at Fort Sill. They would have to be at White Sands, uh, you know, missile test facility uh, training right now in order to be deployed uh, any level of combat efficiency come early spring. Uh, do, so you know, do you know if we have Ukrainian troop troops or crews in the U.S.? being trained in the U.S. to use American equipment that's about to go over to Ukraine. That, that I don't would know. be novel and newsworthy, I would think. Yeah, I don't know that. I'm just saying that that's what will have to happen. Um, look, even Germany, who operates the Patriot, sends their people to America. The only place you get trained on the Patriot system is in the United States of America. So for the Ukrainians to come up to speed on this, logic dictates it would have to come to the United States. Um, you know, I don't have any evidence that this is happening. I don't have any information. I'm just saying, logically speaking, okay. if you're going to give them the system, they have to be trained in the only place well, to train are these, are, these, are these patriots in Poland already, ready to be moved across the border? Can they be used from Poland if they're there? Or are they somewhere in the U.S. and they got to be shipped uh, to Europe? 
Well, first of all, the Patriot systems that are in Poland right now, I believe, are German systems. Um, so totally different command system, um, et cetera. Germany's already said, no, we're not providing Patriots to Ukraine. Um, they could take away combat capability uh, from the from the theater, meaning transfer uh, this equipment uh, that's already in place to protect American assets. But I wouldn't want to be the commanding general signing off on that one. Um, you know, it's stripping away my my protective capability uh, to send it to Ukraine. So logic dictates that if they have to train these people, they're going to fall in on a training packet. And while that's happening, maybe from the reserve units, they'll be put. The other thing I will say is this. The Ukrainians aren't going to get the, the, the best Patriot system. They're just not going to get the up to speed modern one that we have. They're going to get an older variant uh, Do that doesn't work as well. Will, do you know where they will come from? I mean, much of the other military equipment the Ukrainians received, you told us this, was already in Europe. Are the Patriots, American Patriots, already in Europe, or do they have to be shipped across the Atlantic Ocean? No, there's American Patriot systems in Europe. But again, these are the front line, um, you know, top, top line uh, American systems with all the capabilities, bells and whistles. We're not giving that to the Ukrainians. I can guarantee you 100% right now, they will never see that. They're going to get the stuff that's in the National Guard, the older models, uh, the, the stuff that's dating out. That's what they're going to receive. That's what we give people. We don't export the very best we have, especially to ill-trained uh, troops who are going to, for the first time they're going to use it, is going to be in combat? No. Okay. Can um, the Russians effectively close the border between Poland and Ukraine so that we can't bring them anything by land uh, not unless they physically do this not unless they thrust down and and and, and physically occupy that border not re require several hundreds of thousands of troops um and i don't think they're in that business right now uh the best thing they can do is uh is continue to try and interdict remember this the patriot has an extensive footprint meaning when it's deployed on the ground it's easily detectable you ain't going to operate this thing in secret so the russians are going to fine-tune their in intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance assets to be on a Patriot hunt. This isn't like the HIMARS where you can take a single system out of the woods, fire off 10 rockets, and then run away. The Patriot system is going to be laid out on the ground, radar operating, and um, the Russians are going to destroy it. That's just all that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, yesterday, a British lieutenant general by the name of Robert McGowan, M-A-G-O-W-A-N, uh, revealed either intentionally or uh, inadvertently that British troops are on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Do you know of this? If it is true, what does this mean? Well, first of all, we have to ask ourselves, why is a British lieutenant general saying this to the press? Right. This wasn't an accident. He said it on purpose. So we have to ask it. Now, we we'll dig deeper. Uh, he spoke of two deployments of the of, of the 45th Commando. That's a specific British Marine unit. Understand that is a conventional infantry unit. There ain't nothing special about it. They're just like saying that's 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. Good fighters wouldn't want to go up against them in a bar fight or a, or a ground fight. These aren't special operations soldiers. These aren't covert warriors. These are standard line infantry. They were deployed twice, according to him, once in January to provide diplomatic security, to beef up security at the British embassy in, in, in belief that the Russians might be launching an attack. And the second time in April, I believe, to be involved in the evacuation, providing security for di British diplomatic staff and equipment 
as it's removed. Now, he said there were, there were also certain covert or secret operations of great sensitivity and high risk. Now, that could either be used to describe diplomatic security, but let's remember this. There are people trained to protect diplomats in close-in protection. They're not British Marines. They are called special air service. Uh, these are people who are trained to do that. They protect the prime minister. They protect diplomats. Marines don't do that. Marines have big necks, big arms for a reason. They close with and they break people in half. There's nothing covert or subtle about them. I believe that the general spoke of acknowledged events um, in a way to disguise something else, meaning that they need a cover story. And what do they need a cover story? Let's say, for instance, the British who have, the British Marines who have a covert arm called the Special Boat Service, or SBS, who are believed to be operating in the vicinity of Odessa, training the Ukrainian Marines on how to carry out covert operations like the un underwater unmanned drone attack against the Sevastopol naval base that took place a couple months ago. Um, the British planned that and probably played a role in executing that, implementing that. The Russians have been targeting them. Let's say they killed a couple of these SBS guys. How do you eventually reveal this to the public? Well, most SBS guys began as regular Marines. So now you can say, instead of saying, you know, Lance Corporal Smith of the Special Boat Service, you'll say Lance Corporal Smith of, uh, you know, B Company 45 Commando died in a training action or died here or something or died in Ukraine, but uh, he was on a sensitive mission. Yeah, it was diplomatic security. You wanted to not. That's the only. Why would a lieutenant general speak to the press? He's doing it to plant a story, to plant an idea. Uh, why? For To get ahead of something that may be coming out, which is probably casualties amongst the special boat service personnel operating in Ukraine covertly in support of the Ukrainian Marines. If they're operating there, you say covertly. Uh, obviously, we know what the word means. But as a practical matter, would they be armed and would they be in uniform? Or would they look like CIA, just like somebody walking down the street? It depends on what legal authority they're there on with the British government, who has different legal authorities in the United States. Um, but, you know, oftentimes when uh, either Special Air Service or the Special Boat Service go on denied operations, they, they might go under um, the, the authority of the MI6 or Secret Intelligence Service, in which case they may not wear uh, uniforms. They may, uh, you know, seek to blend in. Um, it depends on what they're doing. If they're training and advising, they could probably get away with just wearing civilian clothes. But if they're going to get close to the Russians, close enough to engage or be engaged, um, they, if they're not wearing uniforms and they get captured, they lose all sorts of legal protections. Um, that we know. Does, yes, um, does President Putin or does the commanding general or do the Russians know that the Brits have been there and are there? Oh, absolutely. They've, they've called them out. They say, we know who did this. We know the British did this. We know where you are. They identified the uh, small town outside of Odessa where they're at. They know where the, the barracks are at, and they've been striking it on a regular basis. Uh, there's reports that they actually hit the barracks where the British uh, people were, uh, and casualties were inflicted. We don't know any more detail than that, uh, but the Russians are on this. You know, McGowan's uh, talked to the, the, the irony is the Russians weren't taken by surprise by anything he said. Is only we in the West who go, what? <laughs> you know, Russia right. going, yeah, we knew that. <laughs> All right. Last, uh, last topic. Uh, is it true, as you understand it, that the Pentagon, which must mean the president, 
has authorized the use of American uh, offensive weaponry to strike deep into Russia. If it is, it's a departure from declared policy. Uh, the declared policy in the United States is to discourage this and not to encourage that. Uh, the United States has uh, gone out on the record as saying we are not involved in targeting decisions. Now, we know this is a lie because the Ukrainians who received the target information said, no, the Americans are involved in every aspect of this. Um, but it's a departure from declared policy. Um, it, it, could it be you know, undeclared policy, covert policy? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I trace that source, that story back, and it's it's to an unnamed official. So we don't have any official sourcing. We don't have a name. We don't have anything other than somebody talking to the press. Could this be part of information warfare uh, to create a perception, to shape, um, you know, uh, Russian opinion? Who knows what's going on? What we do know is that the Russians um, <coughs> have said that, uh, you know, if the United States does that, then the United States becomes an active participant in the conflict. There will be asymmetrical response. I mean, the Russians may not respond by doing the same thing to the United States, but at some point in time, something will happen. All right. So um, the Ukrainians fire an American-made uh, missile. It lands, hypothetical, 100 miles outside of Moscow. It destroys some training facility or some storage, fuel storage uh, depot. It kills a half dozen Russians. The Russian police and fire putting out the fire see made in USA on it. What happens? I, I mean, this becomes a political decision because that attack does not change the military balance, doesn't change any reality on the battlefield. So if I'm a Russian, I have to sit there and say, okay, that happened. That's bad. It didn't alter what we're doing. We're still winning. So am I going to over-respond to this, overreact to this in a way that distracts me from my victory or you know what? So I think the Russians have shown extreme patience. Uh, they are totally focused on success on the battlefield, and they're not going to allow themselves to be distracted by these irritating pinpoint attacks that are taking place, pinprick attacks taking place by the Ukrainians, because to do so, then you play into the game. Right now, I think we're in a in a contest of escalation management, where there are people in the West that want the Russians to overcommit, thereby justifying NATO and the United States, you know, pouring more support in. The Russians need to manage this to limit the um, the involvement of NATO, not to overreact to get NATO in. Okay, let me sum up where I think we are. My, my summary will be a predicate to a question. If you reject any of the summary, then, then tell me uh, before you answer the question. In Poland, we have 40,000 American uh, troops, some uh, 101st Airborne. With them, 50,000 Polish troops. We have on the ground in Ukraine, American troops out of uniform, American CIA. We have on the ground in Ukraine, British troops in uniform, British troops out of uniform. American CIA in Ukraine is spying on the Brits, the Poles, the Ukraines, the Russians, whoever they can spy on. Has World War III begun? Um, first of all, I accept everything you said. Um, World War III is... It, it, we're on the cusp of World War III breaking out. This is why we come back to my last answer about escalation management. The last thing the Russians want to do is create a condition that um, 
is conducive to World War III actually breaking out. They see all these pieces that you just described on the table. And from the Russian perspective, it's how do we continue to win, continue to, to prevail on the battlefield without bringing these pieces in? Escalation management. Um, because if the Russians overreact, then these pieces now become players in a larger conflict, which could be articulated as World War III. Right now, World War III isn't breaking out because there is no direct combat between the, the NATO, the United States, and Russia. Um, but all the pieces are there for that to happen, which is why, for instance, sending the Patriot missile into Ukraine is very stupid and foolhardy because you're, you're just creating more potential for this, the Russian escalation management to go out of control and the Russians to overreact. And once they overreact, we have the escalation cycle going up. World War III breaks out, and it's not going to be a good day for anybody. Scott Ritter, always a pleasure. We'll see you on Friday when we'll talk about what's going on uh, in Romania. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.